my glad you're here. Welcome to another episode of the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show, where we talk about improv comedy, creativity, and art. This is your host, your dear friend, and your trusty companion in this sacred journey we call life, Andrew Pish. And this is another Artist's Brain episode, where we interview a wide variety of artists to try and figure out how they're so damn good at what they do. You know, when we first started talking about doing this podcast and we were thinking about people we wanted to interview, there was a short list of people that immediately came to my mind. And my friend Juzo Yoshida was one of them. Juzo is an actor, improviser, clown, and a comedian who warms my achy, breaky heart when I think about him. Juzo is a force of nature on stage. One second, he's making you laugh at his joyous absurdity, and the next second, he touches your heart with beautiful, emotional honesty. Over the last several years, him and I have shared the stage many times, and we've performed together as a clown improv duo called Anju. Now, Juzo has had a lot of the same teachers and coaches that Anatasha, Travis, and I have had, and we've always had a similar style of play and performance. Now, Juzo is one of those comedians who makes comedy look effortless, but as you'll hear in our interview, his process is anything but effortless. He has an intricate and beautiful method to prepare himself to perform on stage and on camera. Our chaotic conversation filled me with so much joy because that rolling chaos really captured Juzo's brilliance. We talk about how he made the move from Japan to the United States, how he went from being a real estate broker to a full-time actor and comedian, how he stays present on stage, and make sure to listen to the end where he talks about his pre-show ritual and the seven mantras he says to himself to get him in the right headspace. Now, hold your horses. Before we get started, there's a word from our sponsor. Improvisers of the world, I think we can all agree 2020 was quite a year. We all want to start 2021 on the right foot. And you know what? You beautiful humans, you don't have to do it alone. 2020 was a year of isolation. Let's make 2021 the year you find your community again. A dear, dear friend of mine, Kimberly Alou, at the People's Improv Theater, The Pit, is here to help you break through barriers and find the fun in the new year. Take a whole host of classes, including Fundamentals of a Form, where you can learn 12 improv forms throughout the year. There's also how to start a virtual indie improv team where you and your new classmates will spend six weeks developing a brand new form specifically tailored for this virtual world we found ourselves in. And also, approach to dramatic improv where things slow down and you'll find the power of silence in your scene work. So, whether you're a newbie improviser looking to up your game or an expert looking to stay fresh, she's got a class for you. Let me just say, Kimberly's been a great friend. She's been there for me. And she knows improv, so I know she can be there for you. Check out her upcoming classes, including start dates and pricing, at aluhu.com. That's A-L-U-W-H-O.com or thepit-nyc.com. That's T-H-E-P-I-T-N-Y-C.com. You're listening to the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show.
Thank you so much for doing this, Juzo. Yay! Do you have a hard out time? Nope. Okay. I just probably get sleepy. <laughs> Same. And I might say inappropriate things when I get sleepy. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. If you want to take a nap in the middle, you can just take a quick nap. This is a sign of late night for me because um, I drink soy milk, a glass of soy milk um, every night. That's a big glass of soy milk, Juzo. Right? I, I love this jar. It's a pasta sauce jar. And, oh. uh, yeah, because some, some coffee house do use this kind of thing as, um, you know, glasses. Juzo, it kind of looks like you're... It kind of looks like you're just drinking a jar of Alfredo sauce, though. It, it looked like it? Yeah, a little bit. I can't unsee that now. Next time he drinks it, I'm going to be like, that's Alfredo. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Yummy. Somebody hire me for soy milk commercial. Everyone out there, hire Juzo. He is so funny and such a lovely person to have him Thank in you, Sasha. for any job. It's been so long for yeah, it's been I love forever. You, I really miss you. I miss you guys too. It's been forever since we saw each other in person. Crazy yeah. way we are now after all these months and that we are verge of lock, lockdown again, right? How much have you been spreading COVID outside, Juzo? How many people do you think? <laughs> Uh, COVID, so COVID nineteen is my vitamin. <laughs> it's not your vitamin, Juzo. It's not. No. Did you have it? Did you catch it? As have you caught it? No. So we haven't technically started the podcast yet. We'll get there eventually at some point. Um, we're not going to use most of the parts where you speak, Juzo. Uh, we just have you here for to provide a little. Ha. Um, As a garnish? I didn't want to say garnish. I hope I'm like a caviar garnish. You're not a caviar. You're not a no, caviar. No, I, I wouldn't. They don't sell caviar at the dollar store, Juzo. No, he's, he's caviar. You know, just a little bit, and I'm like, woo! Okay, so, Juzo, when we get into this, when we actually start this thing, we're not making any jokes, and it's going to be very serious, and we are going to start by talking about how... You came to... <laughs> I'm listening. I'm paying attention. It looks like you're listening. I can tell. I'm that paying attention. Is that how you listen? This, look, this, is, this is the intro. Juzo is one of the funniest people alive, and I can't even be in a room with, that, with him without just starting to laugh. My octopus face. Optimus? Opt, opt, uh, no, octopus. <laughs> octopus. Octopus. You know why I'm doing octopus face? No. I have a cravings for sushi right now. Uh, I would love some sushi right now. The soy milk doesn't cover milk sushi. Doesn't no, help. it's not fishy enough. <sighs> but uh, you know, the, the, the reason why I'm drinking soy milk is to keep myself more aligned with Asian nationals. How so? Because, you know, Asian, Tasha, we eat a lot of tofu, right? Compared to mm-hmm. white people or American people. However- Yeah, so you just want to be, you want to be in line with everyone. You know, when I grew up in Japan, I was brought up in Japan and we consume, I consume a lot of soy, soy products without like a thinking of, oh, getting healthy or anything. Just a part of the um, diet or life. And then when I came to America, and then I've been here for a long time, and um, I for, 
got about that habit and um, realized that I'm not consuming some days no soy products. And um, the best way to cover that is um, one glass of soy milk every night. That's my invention. Do you think soy is what uh, gives you your unique edge in the comedy community? Uh, excuse me, sorry. Okay, so... No, 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 no. It's just... um. Please don't... Well, please I don't... Okay, so we're going to try not to interrupt each other this interview. Yeah, so, this, is, it, this is hard, right, Zoom? Zoom is very difficult. Like, a, uh, like, like auditions. When somebody's speaking... Yeah. Have you been doing yeah. a lot of Zoom auditions? And then I always get scolded by casting. Really? It's scolded? Yeah, because I, when I speak too much, then I bite other people's lines. And then when I even nod, uh-huh, and then my uh-huh is bigger than that person's voice, and then I take over there. So casting like a Juzo, you got to shut up. We are not in a casting office together. This is a Zoom thing. You When you finish your line, you got to shut up. You you can't even you can nod, but don't make a noise. That sounds like a them problem, you know, a Zoom problem, not a you yeah, problem. Yeah, because naturally we usually nod and say uh huh or oh, oh, or something like that. It's a really good exercise. Oh, sorry, I, interrupt. listen- <laughs> I interrupted Andrew. <laughs> it is a really good exercise in listening. I came up with that. Okay, so for the next. Uh, 20 really? minutes. If everyone can mute themselves and I'm just going to talk. Uh, I've got some thoughts I want to share. You want to commute? Commute. I, I want to I say a couple things. Can I say a couple things about you, Juzo? Do you mind? Yes. I don't know. All right. It depends on what you say. Okay. Interrupt me at any point if you hear anything inaccurate or that you don't want to come out. Okay. Because I'm going to, I've got about, <clears throat> I don't know, thousand words here. So, Okay, thank you. Glad you put on your. What is that? Is that a, what is that a beret? What do you call that? Hell no! It's a, a newsboy, Gatsby, hat. You look very Gatsby right now. It looks very, good on you. very you British. Good. I like that look on you. That's a keeper. You know, my first exposure to English was British English. Can you um, can you start doing your British accent for everybody? Of course not. Of course, yes. I mean, I was I was born in Japan, but we I was brought up. No, no, I was born in Scotland, but I brought up in Wales. But now I live in London near Trafalgar Square. Do so, so you can start using your British accent whenever you want to. Certainly, I'm obsessed and think it's amazing. Have we started yet? No, we haven't started yet. This is all just this is all just gonna go right in the gutter. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Juzo Yoshida is an actor, improviser, a clown comedian. He's studied clown with some of the great master teachers of our time, including Paolo Coletto, Ator Basuri, Norman Taylor, David Bridell. Or is it Bridal? Bridal, yeah. Okay, Bridal. Virginia Scott and Phil Berger's. As an actor, he's been featured on numerous TV shows, films, national commercials. Currently on FX Cake. Yes, Cake, with his show Two Pink Doors, right? Project called Two Pink Doors. You can find it on Hulu. It is a hilarious show with a wonderfully talented group of people, all directed by Phil Berger's. 
Dr. Brown. Oh, do we call him Dr. Brown instead of Phil Burgers? Uh, some people know him as a Dr. Brown instead of a Phil Burgers. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we'll say that. And he's performed in improv and clown groups across the country, including the very famous group Jetso for many years. And I just have to say that Juzo is one of those performers that we have come to love and adore. He makes us laugh. He's incredibly talented. He's also got one of the greatest hearts of many performers that I've seen. And his heart really shines through in his performance. And it's just makes you love him. So anyways, welcome to the show, Juzo. How are you doing? Yeah. I'm quite well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing really well. Lovely. So I just wanted to say that having had the privilege of performing in front of a live audience with Juzo, that looking in his eyes on stage is very, it's a beautiful experience because he's very vulnerable and he really looks at you and like sees into your soul and you see into his soul. And I just remember doing a comedy show, turning to him and us looking at each other and well, and then tears just started like streaming down both of our faces. And it was like such a beautiful moment because I feel like he really shows himself to people on stage and shares his heart with the audience and his scene partner. So I just wanted to say he's amazing and I'm really glad that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I just want to echo that too, Juzo, that I think the first thing I think I want to think of you is just uh, how generous you are with your soul, if that makes sense. You just have a big heart and you're just so kind and sweet and I just love you to pieces. And that's without even talking about how talented you are because you are just, you are immensely talented. We're excited to have you. I'm embarrassed. Yeah, I'm embarrassed for Travis too. No, 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 no. All your compliments. I don't know if I deserve them. Oh, you do. I think we hit our maximum for giving Juzo compliments because his, if we talk too much more about how much we liked him, his head would float off out into the sky. Juzo, uh, let's briefly talk about what got you here to the United States, performing clown comedy. How the heck did you go from living in Japan to this? Um, I didn't come here to be an actor or comedian or clown. I came here as a business person in, in real estate, real estate industry. I was transferred from Tokyo headquarter office to LA downtown office. So I was a um, business person for a long, long time and until um, my mom passed away. That's uh, after two decades of um, living here. Oh, wow. So, I was mid, mid middle middle age already, and then until then, only acting experience I had was when I was in in elementary school and um, had a couple of leads in a couple of uh, show um, theater shows in 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 elementary school. Other than that, I had a band in high school and then college, and that's about it. Okay, so um, I don't I didn't have any other performing experience or theater experience or acting experience whatsoever. But I was taking care of, of my mom for four years. She, she had um incurable disease um, called um, pulmonary fibrosis. And I was taking care of her in Japan. That was um 
uh, roughest time of my life, but also most joyful time as well, because I was able to spend time with my mom every day. Because I left my hometown when I was 19 to go to college in Tokyo area, and I've never looked back until my mom got diagnosed and um, had to live in a hospital whole four years without even able to get up. She broke her both legs because she had to take a steroid and that deteriorated her bones. So when he stepped on it and then he just, she just broke it, broke them. So she had to, her life, entire life was in, in, in her bed for four years. But I was able to be there for her. But uh, right before she passed, she told me, Juzo, when you look back at the end of the road for you, please do not regret your life. And um, I said, um, Mom, I think I'm going to be an actor. You know, I, it wasn't like a big choice or big revelation or nothing like that. I just came naturally that um, I want to be an actor. And then, and then when I came back to America from Japan, I started pursuing acting. I had a friend who, I had a friend of friend who was connected to this particular casting office, casting director. So I was able to talk to her and um, I, I got a recommendation to go to school, acting school as well as um, she introduced me to my current agent. So I've been with agent for a long, long time now. Uh, somehow, when I went into the agent office, she they gave me a copy of a commercial size. I've never read anything like that. I've never like a perform or audition, something like that. But somehow they signed me right there. I wasn't expecting that, so I was I was shocked. So I asked them, are you sure you want to sign me? She said, um, yes, you are a little different, very different, actually. Yeah, I want to sign you. So right there, I signed um, commercial as well as theatrical. Wow. I feel like you're an unforgettable person, and they probably could sense that. And, and I've, I felt that for myself as well that occasionally and we can get more into this that like there aren't rules for you if you're like if you're a unique person in any and on any of these bullet points but you're an unforgettable person that i feel like once somebody sees you in the room they're like oh we gotta get that guy thank you tasha we said we'd stop complimenting him um sorry i take it back <laughs> so dang that's your mom sounds like a pretty special person yeah because um I went into business because I thought that what she wanted. Wow. I kill my desire for acting when I was uh, in elementary school. I think she she said that um, when I was um, watching TV, TV so much and she said, um, you can do acting as a hobby. That's not a real life. You know that. That's what I think that's what she said, maybe paraphrasing, but uh, I thought that was she said, and um, that went into my core. And then I held on to it until college after college, and so I got a job in Tokyo. And um, but somehow I wanted to come to America, so I when I was uh, looking for a job after um, uh, on the way, um, on the way out of college. I looked for um, 
job only has an office or branch in America. And back then, Japanese economy was so strong early 90s. And also they, are, they have a lack of um, college level uh, laborers. So a lot of us could demand companies to how to be how to how, how to be treated like um, in the interviews i said um if you don't promise me to send to america i don't want to work for you that's what i said wow and i was only uh, 23 and then i was really cocky and um i just had um confidence without merit and that has carried through into your adult life actually that's kind of my motto <laughs> confidence without merit optimism without merit Hey, you gotta you gotta fake it till you make it. You know, you like you so you that's how you build right? skills. You just gotta jump in. Okay, so you what year did you move to the US or Los Angeles, I guess, right? Early nineties, yeah. Early nineties. And so then when you moved back to LA and got an agent, when was that? So two thousand ten or eleven. Wow. So long time I was in real estate. I'm a real estate broker. I have a license still. Really? Yeah. I took a test in English and um, I passed. You know, Asians are good with um, paperwork. Am I doing too much of stereotype? Because I embrace- I, We could go pretty deep into this, but I think there's a reason stereotypes are funny. And I think that if people in general didn't feel oppressed for- other more serious reasons that nobody would be getting on the dumb stuff like comedy, but it's just like a symptom of a disease. Anyway, I think it's fine. And I'm totally cool with you using stereotypes and um, making fun of yourself and others. Cause I do it all the time. Yeah. Because, um, you know, um, when I go into um, castings, usually they are always casting for stereotypical <laughs> Uh, ethnicities, um, they are very, very divided. How do you feel about playing those moments when they ask? Is it something where you're like, I'm having fun and doing what I love, so I don't care? Have, or have there been times when people crossed lines that made you um, In a casting? Yeah. Or or in a theater setting? I was, at first I was irritated a little bit because some casting said, why don't you do American accent? And then I just did. Oh, I'm sorry. Then now you do um, Japanese accent. Can you do Korean accent? Because to them, every ethnicity in Asia are same difference. So I got a um, little bit irritated, but um, you know, I stopped irritate, be irritated so easily. I start embracing and and laugh about it, and then I start owning. It. I think that's um easy way to control that internal questions. Hmm. And um, yeah, because um, I can, I cannot change the world. I might be able to in the future, but um, for now, no. So I just have to get on the railroad like everybody else hmm. and play, play their game, own it and um, make it my own in a way. I think there's wisdom in that, Juzo. Let me make sure I understand you. I think you're saying you can't change this moment so getting frustrated by this moment is not valuable you might be able to change the world in the future i think 
you have changed the world with your just with your joy in your heart. I think you have more than you know. But in this moment where this I could let this thing frustrate me. But since I can't change it right now, I'm going to change the way I feel about it uh, and just choose to roll with it. Right. So that um, what my, my mentality is now is more appreciative that I've been even called in. I'm telling me that myself that I'm lucky. I'm fortunate. And that leads me to appreciation rather than questioning their motives. I digest in my way. They don't tell me to do that, but um, I do. Hmm. I don't want to use the big word, but I have, I have to in this case. But um, when you go to casting office, they're very much segregated with the race or ethnicities or how you look. Like uh, my look is very non-handsome, kind of odd, unique, funny face. Those are my descriptions, literally, on the casting note. And then when I go in, usually we are team up with beautiful people like models. But if you go into the casting office, one corner, I think, but those models, tall, handsome or beautiful girls. And then the other side was like, I'm almost like a, a mental asylum or something. Like a, <laughs> we look all crazy, funny without doing anything. And it's such a weird process. And and I, I felt that same thing where you, you walk in and you're like, wow, everyone here looks like me or has some something that someone else thinks like we have in common. Right, so you're like right. looking around being like, what is that thing? And sometimes it's something that you're like, like for me, it'll be like curly hair. That's, you know what I mean? Obviously I, I end up going in for these uh, Chinese roles or right. more likely ethnically ambiguous girls. But I also get the curly hair thing where I'm like, wow, everybody here has curly hair. This is, uh, this is crazy. And it's such a strange process that I, it sounds like you've made peace with it. Sometimes right. I still am very frustrated, frustrated yeah. by and disappointed in it. But but I like that you're positive and, and trying to make the best of your experience. Yeah, because at this moment, I don't have that power to change the world. And so that I just accept the reality and then and, and be thankful and appreciative. And uh, so that I have a peaceful mind, good for my mental um, health. Be thankful and be grateful. And then I'm telling myself, I'm fortunate, I'm lucky. It's very, very um, positive effect on my uh, everyday life. Yeah. I, 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 in fact, I chant, I'm fortunate, I'm fortunate, like a thousand times in the morning in Japanese. It's, it, I, I, I chant in Japanese. What is it in Japanese? Means I'm lucky, I'm lucky, I'm lucky. I love it. A lot of people say that um, there's not a luck, it's a destination. I understand, I, I understand the logic as well, but for now, I'm just don't want to say I'm lucky and uh, that gives me a positive boost uh, to live. And uh, why not? I'm not the philosopher, so I don't know those things. Whatever fits me at this moment, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Well, you're definitely not a philosopher. So the next <laughs> question I had for you was, did you ever have an inkling that you would take to comedy eventually? I had no idea no, because I started taking acting classes one after another, three teachers told me, Juzo, you should go into improv. So I said, um, no, I don't speak good English. I don't think, I don't know anything about improv and um, I'm just be nervous and I can't do anything on the stage, probably I'd be frozen. 
But um, this lady, her name is Cynthia Segetti. She's one of the um, founders or the first teachers of Groundlings. She insists on me going into improv. So I asked her, but I don't speak good English like a native, native speakers. And um, what can I do in that improv world? What do I have to offer? And she said, Juzo, don't say anything. Just in the moment and stand in, standing on the theater. That's all you could do. And that's enough for you. Wow. And then after her advice, I start looking for which improv theater to, theater to go into. I think that's great improv advice for a lot of improvisers out there. Just stand on the stage and be there. But the important thing is to be in the moment. Yeah. You got to be present, not just blank. No, but you've got to be present. You are there. This is an interesting thing to get into because, Juzo, I feel like you are one of the greatest performers I know at being present on stage. I really feel like you're there with the audience, with me, with other partners that you've had. How did you build that skill? You know, um, I was bullied when I was in elementary school or part of a junior high school. And I used to imagine my world around me. So I daydream a lot. When I was growing up, I think of um, somewhere else. I, I don't want to be, I want to be rather somewhere else than in a classroom with bullies. Nobody taught me, but I just came up. On the stage, especially improv, you are making up a world around you and that you see things that, that people don't see. But eventually, audience will share what you see because uh, I, if, if I see, we see, they will see. So that was, um, I think, a training. I I I, I kind of started when I was in in elementary school. That's beautiful. That's basically Jet Evelith or all of our teachers would uh, say. You were dreaming, and you had a very vivid dream, and you were comfortable living in a world that was imaginary and existing in that world. She has a big um, influence on me, Miss Jet Evelith. Yeah, she's had a big influence on all of us. I think she's a big part of our improv identity. That's actually how I first heard of Juzo. I heard of Juzo before I met Juzo through Jet. She's like, oh, you got, you need to see this guy perform and do and do his improv show. And then so I stalked you a little bit. <laughs> she the one um, introduced me to the clown world. Me too. All of us. Yeah. yeah. I think that's how all three of us started taking classes with Paola Coletto and Paola. Um, yeah. for that, I will be forever thankful because of our experience in those classes. Yeah, me too. I remember the first time I saw you improvise, Juzo. Clear, clearly, that I remember the first time I saw you improvise. It was at the now theater space. Do you remember that space, Annie and Levin's space? Oh, yeah, yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. The small theater. Yeah, really small, yeah, yeah. super cool theater. Yeah, that um, was fun. I saw Jetso perform there, and I had I had never heard of you guys. And I the the shtick that you guys would do beforehand, where you would say we're a father son team from Japan, and this is our first show in America. 
I bought it because I didn't know any better. And I was like, this is so cool. And then you guys were hilarious. And I remember just you specifically, Juzo. I was like, that guy gets it. He's so it's like everything you were just talking about. Like he's just so present and him just being there feels so honest and genuine that I laughed the entire show. Thank you. There are a lot of um, writing roles before I even got to there being in a way discovered by Chad. Before that, I had um, quite a few struggles going up the improv, uh, improv schools. Which school did you eventually choose to go to first? Um, I.O. West first. And then Second City um, dropping class every week for a year with a Jamie Moyer. And then after iOS, I went to UCB. So you said you had some struggles? Because, um, you know, improv, they said um, anything goes, right? There's nothing uh, limits you from doing it. They say it, but they don't mean it. Exactly. I trusted that. But um, a lot of things that I did in a class, teacher said, don't do it again, Juzo. Don't do it again. So I had a lot of don't do it less throughout um, iOS. I love iOS, but um, even when I went to became a um, uh, main stage performer, uh, my coach gave me uh, don't do list, Juzo's don't do list. I feel like that's, be- it's like you're a true artist who fought, fo- you follow your own intuition. And I think that a lot of these establishments not just improv, let's say theater, ballet, you know, there's a lot of uh, industries where in the system, they want you to do it, but they want you to do it in their box and in their way. Exactly, exactly. And I didn't know about the other, the, the, the rules behind the rules, but the chat saw it when I was struggling and the chat gave me the opportunity to do freely on stage. And then he embraced it. That's how Jetso became thing. Yeah, let's talk about Jetso for a little bit because I think I had I had seen y'all perform a couple times, and it was just shockingly unique what y'all were doing. And I want to get into that. But the first time that y'all played in our show, Chad came up to me and he said, "Hey, Andrew, could you introduce us as a father and son who came from a small." fishing village in Japan who are here in America to do their first ever comedy show. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think I can remember all of that, honestly, but I was just, it was, it was so unique. How did, how did that come to be? How did you develop it? What made it so good? I think that's a genius geniuses of Chad, his background in uh, pro wrestling, you know, pro wrestlers always introduced by announcers about their, their, their thing. So I think he adapted that uh, logic into us. And then he created that introduction. You know, he said fishing village of Nagoya, Japan. That's my hometown. And Nagoya is not a fishing village. It's a metropolitan big city, (laughs) but um, that's a joke. So if Japanese people hear that, they will laugh. But even if uh, it's non-Japanese, they'll suspect that there aren't too many like a fishing village now in Japan. <laughs> it's a very developed and industrial country. And um, so that, um, you know, that gives you, um, you know, if you uh, first time, some people believe it. And then some people don't understand why white man is a father and then that Asian small chunk is um, a son. Those are the creation of Chad, genius of Chad and um 
we added little by little. First, we didn't do so much of um, physical theater. We were doing really conventional um, improv first. And then little by little, we are both are taking clown classes separately and uh, start adapting um, the clown method. So we start breaking the fourth wall, you know, get into the emotions because um, clowns is a truthfully emotional performing. The clown is not a party clown like American clown. This is a European theatrical clown, which is um, joy, angry, sad, and um, and the fear. Those four main emotions we are drawn from, truthfully. That's our goals when I, back, then, back then. Obviously, improv is a comedy, but uh, we don't necessarily go for comedy. Was Jet your coach at this time, the two of you? No, we had a coaching session a couple of times with Jet, but um, back then we were coached by Rich Tallarico. So with Rich Tallarico, we learned the patterns of improv. So we were coached by him every Saturday for a year. And after that is just um, like once in a while, Jet would coach us like a, um, two sessions. We really didn't have a coach, but we separately always taking classes and learning other techniques. And then we adapted into our form of improv. When we merged uh, improv and clown together, nobody was really doing that. So nobody was able to coach us comprehensively because um, a lot of clowns do the improv people would be nervous of. So we get notes and stuff once in a while with um, different improv coaches, but um, we never had a coach after Rich Tallarico. It was a great experience learning from him. I, I mean, I think just from the beginning of Jetso shows, the energy with which you shot out at the beginning, cheering, screaming, talking to the audience directly, there was such a great energy that so many improv shows don't have. People are used to an improv team coming out kind of meekly, asking for a suggestion, maybe making a few you know, comments on things, and then starting from silence almost. And you guys just completely turned the tables on that. Then you also were able to, like you said, just have such heart and beauty and poetry come into the work that provided the opportunity for you to do just very absurd things in your shows. What we didn't want to do was half-ass improv acting. Mm. There are a lot of uh, performers, funny, but uh, they were like a half-ass and maybe, maybe they're laughing at their own jokes or like a cheesy acting, like an improv acting, almost like a cartoonish acting. And we didn't want to do that. And we come out with a great energy so that they give the audience chance to reply to us. And we observe that all that energy from audience. But when we start scenes after the suggestion, we turn around 360 degrees. We are in the world of that scene. It's a really, I think having the power to come out strong is giving us power. It's our motto is not to be half-assed on anything. And then that's a great way of starting it. That's a great life motto. Just don't half-ass it. I love it. 
Yeah, that's uh, my motto in everything, even in auditions and stuff. Sometimes um, um, casting said, uh, Juzo, that was too big. Can you make it smaller? Can you do a little bit more subtle? I hear that a lot, but I think that's better than, can you do a little bit more bigger than what you did? I think, uh, you know, if you're bigger, you can make it smaller easily. So I, I wanna come out big all the time. Even the slate of my name in auditions, I come out big. Hmm. I love that philosophy. And then some casting start laughing at my slate. I'm not trying to make them laugh. I just want to have a great power from me to the audience. I mean, casting because I'm, um, you know, audience um, audition is my solo show. So I treat um, casting people as my audience with appreciation. You come in with gusto. I love it. I think you you should teach a workshop, Juzo, like an audition workshop of how to approach auditions with fun, exciting energy and treat your auditions like you just said, like a, a one-man show. It's a fun mindset. But I, I don't know if, if that works for everybody because I'm just, didn't teach me this. I just doing it. I feel like every time I watch TV, I see you on a commercial. So I would say it must be working. I don't know. I never thought of coaching or teaching audition process. I I teach um clown and improv, uh, I do workshops and stuff, but I've never taught any audition technique because I, I, you know, I've never learned from anybody. I just want, I, I'm not that good at doing two different things. So I want to make it consistent. That's why I want to do the show and audition there, treat, treat them as the same because I'm a very simple minded person. Accordingly, no, I can't do that. I'll do that one pattern. That's that works for me, but not I don't know to ev everybody. Let's talk a little bit about like your craft as a as a clown. Okay, I'm trying to find the right question to ask without leaving it too open ended. How when you perform in any clown show, what are your goals that are unique to a clown show? The most important thing is sharing my view. Literally. What I see, I want audience to see, truthfully. Because I see the world before me, truthfully, when I'm on stage. And then I wanna share with all the audience members. My goal is to be able to show them what I see. I think that's the most single important thing as a, as a clown. And how do you do that individually, you yourself? Um, just to be present. And truthfully, I see. If I, I'm looking at the ocean and then the other side of the ocean is my motherland, I see it. And then um, hopefully audience could share. So you feel like you are, you are present and that those daydreams you were talking about, you really see them and you're trying to be truthful and authentic and and hopefully the audience can see that that's the place like the state that you're in yeah and a lot of times i think audience could see it. if i'm truthfully seeing it they will see it with me yeah that that's a single-handed thing that are my my goal is um be a clown on stage yeah your those your experiences and those improv institutions telling you you need to be a certain way 
you start to think a lot about technical craft when you're on stage or like fulfilling some right. improv box or like a herald, you know, there's so much going on. Whereas with clown having, you know, witnessed you do it so much, I feel like there's a, a state of play and a state of being that you access that really not to say that you're not going into the other side of your brain that's smart and can do those technical things, but I feel like on the scale, it's a lot closer to that presence you're talking about and a lot less about those things that you need to be like smart, like to tell witty folks. Like I don't feel like a clown is witty, if that makes sense. But you know, um, I don't neglect those technical training either. On the top of that, I think I reached here. Without that foundation, I don't think I'll be able to reach where I am today. I so I'm thankful for iOS and um, Second City and um, UCB for giving me opportunity to do the basic work, understanding those basic their techniques, and then I found my freedom on stage is very important. So I'm not saying that just go anarchist on stage. I'm not saying that at all. I understand the rules. I don't. I understand the limitation on the stage, but um, I want to break the barriers in a way that are not hurting anybody else. One of the things I love about the way you perform, Juzo, and I noticed it a lot when uh, I got the chance to perform with you, um, this may sound like a dig, but it's not. It's a it's a high high compliment. You never seem worried about getting it right. Does that make sense? Oh, thank you so much. You know, that was a very first struggle being in um, iOS improv classes. I don't know American pop culture as well, and a lot of people use the references. Everybody know about those things, and I should know. First, I was frozen completely i don't know what to say but after learning from chad doing jitsu i start learning instead of what right thing to say but i start saying what i want to say what i hear in the pop culture references Hmm. i hear my way so i respond honestly and earnestly my way. And those misunderstandings could create the um, humor. Absolutely. Because because like you said, it- I, I, hope that, that, I hope that makes sense. No, absolutely. I think it's like, like exactly like you said, it's honest. Everything you do on stage is honest. And because it's honest, it's funny. I'm, I'm not good at lying. If I lie, people could see that I'm lying because I tell them my face is telling, I'm, I'm telling you lie. And then I tell lie. Usually I want to avoid that on stage. So if I'm ignorant of something, I am ignorant of something, but let me speak to you my way. Let me digest what you told me my way. And then if reply with my common sense, instead of your common sense, I start stop worrying about other people's common sense, but I use my own common sense to reply. 
and one of my our motto in Ajetso was um, uh, embrace unknowns. Mm. I start living embracing unknowns on stage. The idea of jumping into the unknown is sort of why we're called Storm Chaser, you know? So I love hearing about that being a part of your mantra. And even though the shows we were doing were so different in so many ways than what Jetso was doing, whenever we saw you at an indie improv show at any stage around Los Angeles, I always felt very comforted being on a bill with you because I, I just, I thought that was something we had in common is that I was like, oh, we're- we, But we felt like, that the Storm Chaser is the one of the closest to our form, format or a way of um, uh, doing the improv. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think because we both had a similar uh, training background. Absolutely. And I felt that. And then felt like, felt like a, a brother team to us every time I'd be like, oh, right. I'm so happy they're here. Right. And, you know, Storm Chaser never, um, this disappoints me. And every time I just have to be prepared to be laugh out loud. Uh, I love Storm Chaser, by the way. Oh, thank you. Which one of us do you love the most, Chuzo? Yeah. You know, each one of them is different, so I can't say. <laughs> but You can you say know, if you want. If you want, you can pick one of us of out. Of course, Tasha. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 This, oh. I love you. I love you, buddy. Thank you so yeah, much for that. Okay, yeah. Travis, we can edit that part yeah, out. I'll cut that out. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Yeah. Thank you. But you know, I play with you, each one of you, and then I enjoy every minute of it. You don't Are have we... to start lying now. I'm not lying. No, it's at okay. All. It's um, a, it's I do do a lot of um, you... interesting face when I say something out of your comfort. Jizu, I didn't think you were going to wear this hat for the whole interview. Oh, I thought this is a fashionable. I was trying to embrace my London blood. Your London blood. Um, Juzo, I think if Andrew is going to make fun of your British accent, we should make him do a British accent. Why not? Go ahead. I can do a British accent anytime I want. <laughs> Oh, wow. What's up with the voice? We're going down the street to get a couple of grapes and jams, and there's bread on the market today. You know, Pish, you can start doing the British accent whenever you're ready. Look, guys, this isn't an audition, okay? I don't need to be performing for anyone. Really, it's kind of a faux pas to ask someone to do an accent on the spot, so... Um, do you want me to edit that out? So improv was unexpected joy came along with this um, performing art journey. And then clown is also as well, that I was a gift uh, without knowing, without plan. I just want to be an actor. That's how I started acting schools. But it, where I turned, improv was there. So I must go to the improv and then I went in and then somehow I was introduced to clown. I watched an interview you did on YouTube and you said, I didn't choose improv or clown. They chose me. <laughs> uh, did I say that? Yeah, you said that. <laughs> okay. This reaction. I like you, that. So honest. It's like, really? Would you, would you agree with that? I, I love it. It's a pretty gangster thing to say. Because to it's you. really, I didn't really choose them for real. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was gonna say, I was gonna say that uh, you know I've kind of felt the same way because I think when I moved to Los Angeles I didn't want to continue improvising, and then Anatasha asked me to be on a team, and seven years later here we are, and I definitely didn't ever want to perform with you, Juzo, but then we ended up performing, and then that happened. Juzo, so. we're just really good at wear, wearing him down. What happened? What happened, Andrew? What happened, Andrew? You guys are just great negotiators. I'll say that much. Well, it didn't take very much to get you to do a British accent, so I don't know. Not at all. Sounds like the soy milk that you're drinking <laughs> is coming back up. Soy milk goes only one way, my brother. Still imagining it as Alfredo sauce. I have a question, Juzo. I have a question. I want to know what makes you laugh. Truthfulness. I love that. Truthfulness. So when a lawyer in a case in court truthfully describes what happened at the crime scene you'll start laughing mm, that's a different that's a fact we we talked earlier about how juzo being present and being on stage is enough right he had that mentor who said go take improv you're enough and i think that improv is an exchange of energy and not an exchange of words so he's talking about truthful energy and not factual truth and you know the truthfulness in the court uh, system i might like them though even i don't laugh because it's truth mm -hmm. because uh, performing art uh, performing art is only not only laughter it's not only comedy and then uh, there's drama too and then uh, if i like the drama if it's truthfully and and i will love it so you know it's not one dimensional thing about the truthfulness on stage have you ever heard of a book called Truth in Comedy? <laughs> Travis, we're not plugging truth in comedy right now, okay? It's not what we do here. Juzo lives that lives it. He doesn't need to read about it. Juzo, speak to your... I mean, we've touched on it at various points, but your experience as a Japanese man in a community of performers that all speak English, all are Americanized. You have different pop culture references, like you said. You have such a different experience of life. How did that shape you as a performer? And what struggles did you have to deal with in being who you are? It was, um, I didn't think about it too much. But looking back, the first few classes at I.O. was nothing but white people. But I accepted as it is, that reality. But when I went to um, Second City um, drop-ins, I see different ethnic background people. And UCB, there are more different backgrounds as well. So I start liking it. At first, I was so eager to learn about this perform performing art. So I didn't have a time to even think or even question about that ethnicity. Just um. You know, I had a hard time um, understanding some languages um, because people talk really fast. You know, there are racial incidents on stages of, um, you know, I.O. when I was performing. Not, I'm not blaming just I.O., but I.O. had a more chance because um, I had a more chance performing for that theater compared to UCB or Second City. Uh, there are a few uh, racial incidents that... Um, I 
wouldn't like it. Were these things that happened on stage or backstage? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, on stage. On stage, especially. One um, incident that I was a little hurt was, um, you know, the Herald, which I really don't like much. We don't love it. It's archaic. Yeah. But, the, you know, there are group games in between scenes. And the one group game was all assuming my accent and um, my posture. And um, audience loved it. And they are all laughing. So I thought almost like um, they were laughing at me laughing at my accent. So that kind of went into my core. And then after the show, the coach said nothing about it. I was a little hurt. Did you know your teammates very well at that time? I'm curious it, under different circumstances, how you would have felt or if you feel like that move is always inappropriate or if under different circumstances. Um, I'm sure if we know each other, well be better because um chad did uh my accent and uh, and, and and posture and um but um i wasn't hurt at all so i think because we are not that close you haven't built trust yet right yeah it depends on how it's done or who it's done Natasha, that's a great question. If that was done by close friends, I don't mind it at all. Yeah, the reason why I asked specifically that is because I haven't had that experience, but I've had things that I think maybe mirror that experience in some ways. And I know that for me, the my trust level with a person has a lot to do with how, like, whether or not if they're teasing me, whether or not I'll be hurt or if I'll like kind of feel loved and, and it can be about the same thing, but a different person brings out just different feelings in me. Right. I can't say one rule fits all. It depends on the trust level we have in between, certainly, but done by group of people and laugh at by group of audience. That, that was a little too much. Yeah. That sounds, me. that sounds like a, I would step off stage and feel pretty down. Yeah, I felt um, bullied. Similar feeling when I was in elementary school. How do you rebound from something like that? I just have to forget about it if I want to keep 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 going with that group. Chuzo, I feel like you, in your years in the community, and as you've um, grown in it and kind of become a leader, I think, in a lot of ways, and a voice that people respect, you have helped make the community more inclusive. How do you think that's going? I hope that's true, but I've um, never been a leader or anything. I'm not a flag waver of um, POC or anything like that. But uh, if there is a problem, I want to be part of it to solve it. I just don't want to just criticize, but uh, I want to be part of the solution as well. I think it's important of every POC out there to do their part if they can't. If you are not interested in, that's their privilege as well. It's not like um, obligation or duty to do ethnic work just because you are POC. But um, I do like to be part of it if I had a chance. It's a very common problem in comedy world. It's very white male oriented still, but compared to when I came in and now is completely different. It's more POC is vi visible and um, has a more power. Was com coming in, I 
do you know how too many um, POC friends in a system, especially um, somebody from foreign countries? I only knew uh, three of them. And then with them, we made a team. My first in, uh, improv team called Broken English. <laughs> that was before Jetso. And um, we, um, I, I started the group when I was still level three, so I, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, I remember watching you back then. You definitely had no idea what you were doing. Um, we were, we won 18 weeks of um, iOS um, cage match. Yeah, take that fish. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Juzo, what would you yeah. say to someone, POC, who is starting out their comedy journey and or in the community, but scared about moments like you described, what would you say to them to give them any sort of assistance? You got to try, though. Don't be afraid of things to happen. If it happens, it happens, and then deal with it that moment. But don't be um, pessimist. We have to have a certain level of optimism in our lives without merit. Optimism without merit is very important in our lives to drive and thrive. Everything is not logical. And sometimes it's not. And something is not justifiable but uh, you deal with it and then you can learn and then you can grow from it too so experience it including negatives positive and negative both you know those things are are fertilizers as comedians but ultimately as human beings even negative things negative things tend to have more things we can learn from there's an old saying in japan it's um called opposite face teacher means that uh, you can learn from bad people wow like a not to do not to be and then when i saw the racial incidents in other cases i i felt that we could learn from it i have to disagree with something you said earlier juzo i think you are a philosopher you just dropped some real wisdom on us just now <laughs> what did you call it an an opposite an opposite teacher or what was the phrase that you just said? Opposite face teacher. Opposite face teacher. I love that. That's such a great, right. great way to yeah. reframe a negative situation. My mom was quite a philosopher. And she told me that everything is there for you to learn. And that you are studying everything until you lie in the casket. I believe that. Also, um, she always tell me that don't forget your beginner's spirit mm. don't be sit on 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 the chair comfortably just because you've been there for a while i believe that too i always want to be a beginner and that's why when we do when you used to do jitsu first time in our lives to perform in america is very very good reminder for ourselves to be humble to be a beginner so we never been a veteran or you know, long time performer or anything of those labels. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful stuff. Um, wow. We are seriously talking about serious things. Yeah, I told you, no jokes, Juzo. Oh my God. I can't believe it. I'm just wondering if Travis and Antasha heard that part about beginner's mind because I think that they could maybe utilize that. Do you think I'm just a little 
little too cocky. Just a little too cocky. I'm just saying there's a lot of ego on this team and it could work to maybe let out the steam a well, little bit. Well, I don't think that I don't think what he was saying applies to like me per se. I get what he means for like other people, but once you've played as long as I have, then then you sort of pass that point. No, if if we weren't so cocky, Jesse would be here. This is all on you, Travis. I'm saying with me, we don't need Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Juzo laughed. He laughed. That must be truth. Or at least what yeah. Travis no, no, at least no, no, what no. Travis thinks is the truth. Jesse's is, is good too. Jesse's good too. <laughs> so uh, you know, but having those um motto, I feel fresh every time. Whatever I do. I think something that I noticed when performing with you, Juzo, was how seriously you took the moments before a show. Right. Yeah, I have to focus on, I have to center myself. The way I start show is very spiritual driven. No matter how small the theater is, how small the audience is, if there's one person in a theater to watch me or watch us, I have to be as good as when I perform in front of 100 people. It doesn't matter how small that audience, how small the theater is. It's the same difference to me. So I always go through the same process before the show. I pray and uh, all those things. And then chant the mottos and um, th that's the, the beginner spirit. I love a good warm up. So thank you so much for sharing a little bit of yours. Yeah, warm up is very important. Can I dig in a little bit as far as uh, the prayers and the mottos that you use? Are they the same ones? Do they change? Over the years, we add it. So what kind of what kind of things would you say and what do they specifically do for you? For things with our emotions, commitment to the characters, commitment to the environment, patient, and uh, embrace unknown, repeat a pattern. For things with emotions, commitment to character, commitment to the environment, patient, embrace unknown, Repeat the patterns. Oh, I forgot one. It's it's a seven. Hold on. What? Why did I forget? For things emotional. I felt like you're listing the uh, ingredients of a Big Mac right okay. now. First things emotions, commitment to characters, commitment to environment, uh, patient and. First things emotion. For first things emotions, commitment to character, commitment to environment, patient. Sorry. Why did I forget that? <laughs> I haven't done it. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. First thing with emotions, commitment to the character, commitment to the environment, patient, embrace unknown, support each other, repeat the patterns. I love it, I love it, I love it. I'm gonna take that little sound bite and I'm gonna to start to listen to it before rehearsals. So before I get on the, uh, the stage, I usually said it three times. So what was the first thing that you said? Sorry. First thing with the emotion. First thing with the emotion. You also, when you have a first emotional choice, you just don't change around right away. Oh, you okay. just commit to the emotion that the you are assumed. Yeah. Because that's part of your character. I love that. I, I, I think this comes back to a thing of being where you are on stage that we were kind of touching, which it feels like sometimes improvisers feel like they have to invent a lot of extraneous emotions and circumstances that aren't there 
But if they accepted what they were feeling in the moment, that's your truth. Exactly. Inventing something is not the truth. Isn't it so frustrating too, Juzo, when you can see, you see an improviser and you can see how they feel, but then as the scene goes on, they sort of chicken out and then they try to change how they feel. Right. I'm like, why would you do that? You were doing it before. Almost like, um, I feel like they were kind of lying to us. Exactly. That's too bad because they have something special and then you just gave up because of the scene partner or environment or whatever it is. This is, this motto, the first thing is emotions. It's, um, um, do you know Car Miss Karen Gracci? I love mm -hmm. Karen Gracci. She talked about, she talked about it in her workshop. Mm. Commitment, she always said commitment to the character. Once you assume the character, just go with it. It's a, it's a simplifying the game, simplify the, um, the improv. I love that. Are you burping up your soy milk that you're drinking? How do you know? I didn't make a noise though. I'm it, being polite. It looks like a full gallon of soy milk. It's Alfredo sauce. Through the course of this interview, Juzo has drinking an entire jar of Alfredo sauce. Yep. Well, I love these mantras. We started out like a three or four and then adding and then end, ended up in um, seven. So let's go through the rest of these. These uh, mottos? Yeah. Get your perspective on them. Okay. So first things uh, with emotions, right? And the commitment to the character. You assume the character. You don't just change around just because you think scenes are seeking the different character. You have to know the real reason to change your character or change the scene. And the commitment to the environment. This is very important to me as a clown. Environment, you see the environment. And once you see it, you commit to that place. You just can't transport one place to another like a Star Wars. I mean, I have nothing against Star Wars, but um, just to simplify. As you're daydreaming your world and your environment, how quickly does that lock in for you? How much are you discovering it? And what do you do when Chad walks through the table that you established? And how does that affect you and your commitment? Or is that part of your honest reaction that is a part of your humor? Once I turn around and look up, I see right away. If my part scene partner walked through the table, that's the reality. I have to embrace that, accept that as a reality. So I don't question, why did you do that? That's not the, that's against the rule. It's just now part of the world. I think that's the easiest, simplest way to understand it. I'm sure improv teachers would disagree. Oh, I love that. I'm like, that's- That's my, my take. You're the improv teacher now, Juzo. And then next one is a patient. Of course, we have to be patient. We don't have to, just talk like machine guns. And sometimes it would take a silence to move the scene. Love that. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I mean, I really think that improvisers could use with a little more silence as in the reality of daily life and to also really take the time to feel the emotion, see their right. partners, see the right. world. Right. Yeah, I think patient is very important. Patient to um, to your partner as well as uh, to yourself. And then next one is it. embrace unknown. This one already talked about it. Um, whatever 
unknown comes to you, just take it as you know. That's one of the greatest things I love about improv. It is the unknown things that happen. I think I regularly am disappointed by the things that I come up with, but the unknown things that burst out of the seams or happen by accident always end up being my favorite thing. Right. Agree. And then support each other. You just don't give up on your partner. If you give up, probably audience will get turned off by it because you are giving up on the show. That one's for you, Travis. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. What, what did he say? <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, it's beautiful, Juzo. It really, like, I know. I'm over here making a dumb joke because, because in rea reality, everything you're saying is so wonderful. And lastly, um, repeat the pattern. What does that mean to you? That's like a comedy world. That's for you, Travis. <laughs> I see what you did there. Thank you. And there's a joy in um, repeating, the, repeat, repeating the patterns. Cook County does great repeat, repeat the patterns. They're ex Yeah, they're amazing. I, I love yeah, that. They're excellent. When we play um, with uh, Greg Hess, he was a guest of Jetso. We did um, keep repeating patterns and then different outcomes. God, yeah. Cook County Social Club is incredible. And I love, right. they, they're the ones that talk about spinning plates yeah, and keeping different spinning plates up in the air that you can return to little patterns that you can keep in the air and you try to keep as many in the air as possible. It was a pure joy to play with them, perform with them, Greg Hess. He's, he's one of my favorite improvisers. I think he's abs an Me absolute too. genius. Yeah, there's something about the repetition that is very right. like scratching some itch I didn't know I had until I'm watching it. And I'm like, right. this is so satisfying. Very magical. So Juzo, could you talk about your work now with Dr. Brown and all of the other people that you've been working with now for several years? Yeah, we started performing on stage as a um, clown team. And then um, we reached FX with no big plans. We just started performing at, at Lyric Hyperion. Great to um, work with um, Seven Geniuses. It's a different um, environment from improv, a little bit, but um, still very satisfying. I'm like, I'm just uh, learning and um, observing from um, everybody and I'm just um, following their uh, um, geniuses. Yeah, it's such a fun group of people. And very talented and and uh, could be intimidating, but um, I don't have time to be intimidated. I just have to follow them. Yeah, how, how has it been? Because I know in the physical theater world, in that tradition, devising work together with the other right. performers is a very unique process. That's how we started, uh, we did on the first season. How is that process of devising? We went to a camping in uh, Lake Arrowhead for a week. So we spent the time on uh, 24 seven with them. And then we team up in, in that group. We just devised, create a piece and then ended up on TV. It's crazy because, so when we were in class, and Natasha, you and I, um, with Paula, and we had to devise a piece that we would perform every Friday. That was always some of the hardest work for me. And I was always so intimidated with having to come up with something just in the span of a week to put up by the end. What have you learned 
through the years of class and now with this group in devising a piece? On me? Yeah. Uh, no, no, yeah, no. Um, no, I'm going to ask Travis this question. I'm so glad you asked me this. I've been uh, sitting on all of this. Uh, so I think what Juzo did is... Um... <laughs> no, go ahead, Juzo. Just um, don't think too big. Just um, mundane situation. A little bit off or something. Everyday stuff that um, I encounter in life. And then from that, I and uh, my partner or somebody will bring in their thing and then become something magical. So it just um, don't put pressure on yourself. Just uh, just um, something relatable, everyday thing and start from there. So nothing, you're not trying to create something funny. No, no, it's just, um, just something that um, you have experience or you might have experience or um, you have in mind or just, just something everyday thing, but just to make the relationship a little bit off. One vote was off from the gear. That's about it. And that creates interesting situation in the end. We don't think that, the, oh, we have to be super interesting and funny because it's on TV. No, 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 no. Just do like when you are in a theater, just a different technique um, in terms of camera work and stuff. That's fantastic. And I think it takes a lot of the pressure off of any performer who might be listening. You know, it's not like it's some wildly complex a storyline Lord of the Rings thing that has a complex history. It's simple situations that are strange and odd, but that are performed really truthfully. Yeah. And because of that are hilarious. But even that uh, Royal Ring or those complex um, stories, there's um, always simple human relationships in it. The core human relationships that uh, could be applicable to today's life. This has been an incredible conversation and I have gleaned so much of your wisdom, Juzo. Like I knew you were such a lovely, wonderful, talented person, but you really have just dropped some some truth bombs on me that I will they're gonna the things you've said are going to become a normal part of my improv vernacular as I like the things I do before a show and like the, my improv philosophy. Uh, has certainly evolved just talking with you today. So thanks for being here, man. Yeah, I've learned from um, everybody. It's not like uh, I invented all that ideas. I, I just learned from everybody along the way of seven years of doing improv and clowning. It's not like I created all those rules and philosophies. No, no, I just um, learned from Chad, learned from different teachers, learned from um, Dr. Brown, even coaches or teachers really didn't work for me, but I learned from them. So nothing was waste. Everything was um learning experience. Juzo, I've really regretted a lot of things in my life, but tonight has not been one of those things. I really appreciate you being here with us. Thank you so much. Can I um, give you a Gene Wilder quote that uh, Dr. Brown taught us? Sure. This is uh, really um, what I believe in as well. 
if the physical thing you are doing is funny, you don't have to act funny while doing it. Just be real and it will be funnier. This sums up all, all, all my beliefs in comedy or even uh, dra drama. Man, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Juzo, for being here and spending time with us in your very busy schedule. I hope um, something I said would um, click with you guys. It didn't click with me. It, I mean, I hope that it clicked with Amitosh and Travis. But... Yeah. I hope I could play with you guys again. Yes, please. Yes, we would love to have you. Yeah, I would love that. Well, I love you, Juzo. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, it's good to see you and talk to you. Love you too, Tasha. Thank you so much for having me and then uh, chose me tonight. Of course. I was very, I was very excited. I mean, I mean, it's just, you were an obvious choice for us to interview as one of the first guests that we had, because I feel like we share such a common spirit and I think perspective on comedy. Right. right. You feel like a brother from another mother. Yeah. Especially we had a similar training background. There aren't too many people shared uh, our uh, learning, you know? Yeah. Our improv genealogy stems from the same tree. At least a lot of it does. Yeah. Yeah. And then we admire similar similar uh, performers in, in improv. Great. So that ends the podcast portion. So you can say anything you want now, Juzo. Oh, my God. Oh, Fuck God. me. I have to pee, so I'm going to abandon ship. Bye. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. There you have it, folks. The man, the myth, the intrepid soy milk drinker, Juzo Yoshida. If you want to connect with Juzo, you can find him on Instagram at Juzo Yoshida. That's J-U-Z-O-Y-O-S-H-I-D-A. Thank you sincerely for listening to the podcast. I hope you learned something. If you didn't, you can write Travis a nasty yet oddly sensual DM on Instagram. That always makes me feel better. And if you want to send Storm Chaser a line, tell us how freaking cool we are or just share your thoughts on the disruptive nature of blockchain technology, you can slide into our DMs on Instagram at Storm Chaser Improv or send us a message through our website at www.stormchaserimprov.com. Are you missing watching improv? If so, you're in luck. Right now, Storm Chaser is doing improv shows every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on our Facebook page. Uh, and now, can I ask you a quick favor from one human being with a heart that pumps real blood to another? If you enjoyed this podcast, would you please consider leaving a short review on Apple Podcasts? It takes less than 60 seconds, and as we're getting started here, it really makes a difference in helping to convince hard-to-get guests. And we love reading your thoughts and your critiques of Travis. Also, do you have something to advertise? Because we're looking for sponsors, and right now, you can sponsor an episode for as little as $5. That's a freaking steal, and it's probably illegal, so keep it on the down low. And send us a message at stormchaserimprov at gmail.com. Well, now I have nothing else to say, and I feel empty. There's nothing in front of me but a blank page and the silence. Oh, God. The silence.
Anywho, thanks for listening. Go chase the storm, okay? Thank you for listening to the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show.